0: Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood, alongside John Paul Basham. Yo. Julie Plunk. Hey, hey. We are super excited about the episode that we have for you today, because I have someone awesome to introduce you to. Uh, But first, if you haven't left a rating and review, go ahead and uh, head to Apple Podcasts and do that there. We sure would appreciate it. It helps other people find the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast when they search for student ministry stuff. All right. So. Uh, I mentioned to you that we have somebody awesome to introduce to you, and this probably won't be the first time you've been introduced to this person. Uh, She does a ton of stuff for student ministry, uh, but we are super excited to have you, Kara Powell, on the podcast today. Well, I'm excited to be here. So a little bit about Kara, uh, Executive Director of the Fuller Youth Institute. She's a faculty member at Fuller Seminary. Uh, has been involved in a lot of research. Uh, the Growing Young, Sticky Faith, are a couple of the research projects that you, as a student ministry audience, are uh, probably familiar with. And so, uh, we're really excited to have you. And our the focus of today's episode is going to be on anxiety and how it's impacting teenagers in our world today, some things that uh, you as student ministry leaders can do to help them through that, and then the role that fl- that faith plays alongside of the anxiety that we have. So, Carrie, you've uh, recently written and released, done some research around the issue in, of anxiety in teenagers, and faith in an anxious world is kind of the resource that came from all that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, Kind of talk to us about, uh, just at the beginning here, how that started um, yeah. and some of the major findings that you found as you began to look more deeply at anxiety in teenagers.
1: Yeah. Well, our team at the Full Youth Institute, we always try to identify what are the most pressing questions that leaders and parents are asking. We, we try to make that our starting point for any research that we do. And I would say about two years ago, we started noticing a shift Um, where it used to be that the number one question that leaders and parents were asking was about technology. Yeah, Uh, And those are still important questions. We still get those. But a few years ago, um, something else emerged into that number one slot. And that was questions about young people's mental health, anxiety, depression, suicide. And it didn't matter where we went, uh, from rural Iowa to inner city New York. uh, Those were the questions. What can I do why is this anxiety happening? I feel so helpless and hopeless when I see it in young people I care about, um, and especially communities affected by suicide. So so we thought we we want to respond to this. And so we did a fair amount of scripture study and also worked with um, the psychologists in our school of psych, especially alum and therapists, to really try to develop the most um, to really focus on the most important insights about anxiety that leaders and parents need to know.
0: What do you think something uh, student ministry leaders don't understand, or maybe parents don't understand about anxiety in teenagers right now?
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot that I'm learning myself, so I can answer it really from an autobiographical perspective. Um, I, I think those of us who are people of faith we often think that our faith in Jesus should eliminate all anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's even Philippians 4, be anxious about nothing, which is a verse that has meant so much to me in my lifetime. Um, and 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 that's an important verse. And one of the steps we recommend for families and youth ministries is that they have, you know, kind of a scriptural anchor to meditate upon and to center themselves on. So that's really important. And yet, um, the brain is an organ. And so sometimes just like we need medicine and ha- extra help for our kidney or our heart, sometimes we need extra help for our brain, whether that be um, actual medical help or just different conversations, deeper conversations that we have to bring stability and, and balance there. So so I think those of us as at pure people of faith, um, we don't understand its severity enough. And when we need to help a young person get some additional support.
2: I think it's interesting as a Christian community the way that we tend to, to flip those verses and just say, see, we shouldn't be anxious about these things when really if you look at the counsel of Scripture, it's addressing it a whole lot, which means Scripture is saying, you're going to be anxious about these yeah. things, yeah. and there is there's a response there in uh in your worship of the lord in casting your cares on him and keeping your eyes on him and understanding that he's in control because all of that is gonna well up inside you and so what is that right response and what what is that balm that the lord provides for us in in those moments you're, you're smirking I, yeah, at paul me with the, such a good point, the word and balm. i think for those of us who are <laughs> yeah.
1: over 30 we don't always understand the pressures that young people are under. I don't go a day without a leader or a parent or a young person asking me a question about anxiety. Uh, About a month ago, my eighth grader and I, we were touring a local high school and it was fascinating that in the 20 minute tour, the 11th grader who was doing the tour, um, twice referred to mental health. And I'm Mm. sure this was not on her script, but at one point, she pointed to a, an office door and she said, well, that's that's the counselor you go to when you're feeling anxiety. And then at another point, we passed a room and she said, well, that's where you go when you're having a, an anxiety attack, a panic attack. Wow. And you know, it was just stunning to me, both as a parent and a researcher, to hear her be so nonchalant about what's happening with young people's mental health. It it was a little bit alarming, quite honestly, and it was also um, freeing the way she was talking about that. And so that's part of what we're trying to do with these resources is help the church talk about anxiety, help the church understand anxiety in the midst of a life of a growing disciple. Um, You know, I think we in churches, we're often a few years behind when it comes to talking about mental health. Um, I have a college freshman son and an 11th grade daughter And so, like, my part-time job has been doing college tours for the last two years. (laughs) And, like, every college campus we tour talks about the resources they offer for mental health, like, Mm. in the first 15 minutes. And so these are all these, um, you know, non-faith-based entities that are addressing mental health in teenagers and young adults. And often we in the church are silent or scared to talk about it. And so that's part of what we wanted to do. We wanted to make uh, anxiety more discussable.
0: I was just gonna I was gonna ask a follow-up question on just why you think the church does appear to be late in the game on a, on clearly addressing issues like this. Well, it does I think feel it's, that it's way three, that we're a little yeah, late.
1: I think it's partly some of the theology we were talking about. Um, you know, i, I I'm totally embarrassed to admit this, but I will in a spirit of vulnerability. <laughs> I once gave a talk on anxiety, this was fifteen years ago, twenty years ago um anxiety is a sign of atheism. Hmm. So I was equating anxiety with not trusting god. And and that actually is true of me. Much of the anxiety that I feel is a reflection of my lack of trusting god. But I was uh, so naive about the more complicated dynamics about anxiety then, 15 20 years ago, which have only, you know, tripled or quadrupled since then. So I think it's partly our theology. I think we in the church, we're just not great at talking about struggle in general. Um, We don't want to be pinpointed as, you know, oh, she's the one who deals with X. Um, And so it takes a lot of courage sometimes in a church community to share your struggles. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we were, you know, we realized that we were a hospital for the wounded, um, as theologians have described, but but we sometimes lose sight of that. Yeah, hmm. I was curious your take on social media and that connection with young people, uh, students, young adults, and their anxiety. Yeah, great question, Julie. Uh, let me just say, first of all, I love technology. I mean, I'm, I'm joining you by technology. <laughs> Our listeners are listening to this by technology. So I'm very pro-technology. And yet, there does seem to be a relationship. We can't say it's causational, but there's definitely a correlation between, you know, kind of ubiquitous use of, of technology in our culture and some of these greater mental health issues. What's interesting is right around 2012, which was in when the, in the population of the US, we crossed a landmark line of fit, more than 50% of us having smartphones. That's also right about the time when anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation really started to increase. Um, There's some good news in what's happening with risk behaviors for young people. Some risk behaviors have actually decreased um, when it comes to uh, premarital sex, drinking, drug use, um, partying in general, that actually has decreased in most studies. So, the way that I would interpret that is the risk behaviors that you do with others when you're out have actually decreased. But the risk behaviors that you experience on your own on a Friday night, on our Saturday night, when you're in your room looking at your device, um, those are the ones that have increased. You know, for those of us over 30, if we weren't invited to a Friday night party or a Saturday night gathering, you know, we maybe heard about it on Monday whereas young people today who don't feel invited who feel excluded who just feel lonely i mean they can see in real time what their friends what others they know are experiencing the fun they seem to be having um cuz we often put kind of a positive spin on what we post on social media and so You know, I got to say, if I was a teenager alive, right, I mean, I am alive, but if I was a teenager (laughs) right now, I would really be struggling with anxiety. I, I know my personality, my drivenness my fear of being left out and and so that that helps me empathize when i think about what it's like all the time to see what people are doing i mean i don't check facebook on friday night or saturday night because i know when i do i often feel like oh you know they went on a better date than we did dave or gosh <laughs> they went on a date at all and and we're home you know cleaning the kitchen out or something you know even even less exciting so if i deal with that as a 40 something you know imagine what that's like for a 14 year old
2: Kara, would you say c- can you make the connection that that ties back to that we are more isolated today than we were before whereas all of the group anxieties that that were around before are decreased and all the individual more isolated pieces are increased is there a direct connection?
1: Yeah, you know, the first phrase that comes to my mind um, is actually something one of my colleagues here said, and she was reflecting on her own life, but I actually think it's pretty thoughtful for what life is like today. She said, I feel overstimulated and undersupported." Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yes, in a sense, we have more contact with people, not just in the same room with us, but you know, across the planet. I mean, wh- what an exciting time um, to be, you know, one of God's creations right now and, and just get to have those relationships. So there's the stimulation, but in terms of the real true support, um, that is what many in our culture of of all generations and young people certainly are struggling with.
2: Yeah.
0: So, uh, some research came out, this, uh, Trevin Wax, who's uh, one of our vice presidents here at Lifeway and, in his area is LifeWay Research. Uh, He was referencing another study that compared topics that uh, teenagers in churches want to be discussed with what is actually being discussed. Yeah, Uh, And this was a fascinating uh, data point. There's a lot of stuff on here, but the number one thing was it said 80% of youth in churches want to be discussing or interested in discussing mental health-related issues, uh, uh-huh. and only 11% of the group of churches that were a part of this survey said that they were discussing these things. And so I think a step that you've made uh, in, this res- uh, in this resource, Faith in an Anxious World, is maybe crossing the bridge of this feels awkward for me to talk about uh quite frankly i don't think that that many student pastors feel as though they are equipped to really address this issue like if i go back a decade in my life as a student pastor 10 years ago 15 years ago i don't know that i would i know that i would not have had a lot to say yeah about this about this issue and so i i Talk to us about the framework that that faith in an anxious world gives student ministry leaders who who might say, man, I don't feel equipped to handle this. It's awkward for me, but you have a framework here.
1: Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. And and I think there's good reason that youth leaders don't feel equipped because they probably aren't equipped to really do a deep dive in this topic. And we actually – uh, talked about that even before writing this resource, you know, because uh, sometimes a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And so we didn't want to set youth leaders up for doing more damage than good, to be honest. And so one of the big themes in the resource is make sure that you create a network or at least one other referral of a therapist, mm-hmm. because I think the best thing that a youth leader can do often um, when they feel they're over their head, A, they probably are. And B, they need to whatever it is, whether it's anxiety or or whatever a kid is struggling with. And so then B, who's the therapist or therapists that they can refer to? And uh, you know, if you're a youth leader listening to this and you think, gosh, I, I don't know of any therapists that I feel comfortable referring to, then I would say talk to other pastors in your church, talk to other youth pastors in your community. Um, Schools are often great sources of recommendations because they often know therapists who are focused on adolescence. Now, they may or may not come from a faith perspective if they're recommended by a school. But, um, you, you know, one of the best things you can do before you start talking about anxiety is have some recommendations in your phone so that when you have that conversation and you think, oh, I don't know what to do, you can point that young person and that family to someone who does know what to do.
0: So, Kara, why don't you talk a little bit uh, about the framework that you've helped develop, uh, bouncing off of, okay, let's have a team of people. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that, because I think something that student pastors feel the, the unnecessary weight of is I have to jump in here and be the only one that solves this problem. Yeah. And so building a team of people around That student and family is a huge piece of this. What are some of the other connecting points of this framework?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned family, Ben, because um, in addition to the four weeks of curriculum that we have in Faith in an Anxious World, we actually have four podcasts uh, that are geared for parents. And so the goal is that a young person's team is the youth ministry and parents on the same page on these topics so and actually the parent podcasts are parallel the four lessons so literally parents can be tracking along with what you as a youth leader are teaching Mm -hmm. and part of what we do in both the youth curriculum and the parent podcast is we also encourage the young person um, you know many of them will not need therapy the majority won't actually need professional therapy most likely and so then you know, who are other adults that they can talk to about what they're feeling, even beyond their parents? And so, you know, especially for that parent and, and young person to think together, you know, is it an aunt you're close to, is it a neighbor, is it your small group leader? You know, where is that safe place? Here's one of the alarming things that I've come to understand about suicide, um, both from the research as well as talking to uh, families who've lost a young person to suicide, um, is that often that young person who's in such pain tells a friend, hmm. here's how I'm feeling. And then usually, and it just gives me chills as I say this, usually they say to that friend, but you can't tell anybody. And so all of a sudden there's this 13 year old, this 17 year old who's either seeing the depression in their friends or been told it directly by their friend. And they feel like I can't tell anybody. And that's where we actually address that in the curriculum. And we want every kid to have a safe adult already in their mind to talk to, whether it's their own pain, their own depression, or a peer's depression. Um, Because kids need to have that safe place. No 13- or 17-year-old should have to be carrying that burden without talking to an adult. And so, so you're right, Ben. The importance of team, maybe a professional therapist, for sure parents, for sure a mentor or two that's part of every lesson
2: Uh, there's several things that that you have just mentioned that that stand out to me one of those being that uh, system of connections that you have to kind of bring everything out into the open and have a place to release to release that and be able to reach out for help when they need it and not feel isolated in it um Another thing that you mentioned is that not everyone is going to need professional help. Yeah. And so in kind of putting putting those things together, making sure that there are avenues of communication so that students can say, this is what I'm feeling, and then having that community of people be able to speak into that and and bring them to the place where you're understanding what kind of help do you need. What have you seen... So so something that I remember as a student pastor, we were dealing with cutting a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And one day, um one of my small group leaders hit me with something that I just never expected and he uh she said that I'm learning that some of the girls in the class are cutting because it's popular to cut. Yeah. And some of the girls in my class are cutting because they have a, a genuine issue.
1: There's real pain. Yeah. So
2: without being insensitive to, I'm not trying to say we need to just tell some of our kids, toughen up, buttercup. You know, this isn't a real issue for you. Yeah. But what have you learned about how to discern where yeah. they are if they're following a trend? Oh, I'm anxious, too, because that's what people are these days. And I really have a deep, genuine need that we need to dig into
1: yeah that's a wonderful question Jean paul and it reminds me of a youth leader who came up to me who was also a parent of a teenager and he came up to me a couple weeks ago and and he said well you know my teenager i ask her to um empty the dishwasher and she says oh i can't that'll stress me out <laughs> and he said i feel like she's you know slapping the label that stressful onto anything that she doesn't want to do or is a little bit hard um, when it's really not stressful Uh, One of the great insights that I learned um, both as a parent and a leader from the folks we interviewed for the parent podcast, uh, an expert on adolescent anxiety had this great recommendation. He said, um, and this is true for parents or leaders, if you're wondering how a young person is doing, ask them to rate their anxiety on a scale of one to 10. Um, One to three, no big deal. Four or five, probably handleable. Six or above is where you want to start thinking about what additional support is needed mm-hmm. for the young person. And so, so I think, you know, that kind of diagnostic, that kind of triage can give you some sense about how serious, um, that, that anxiety is going back to the instance of cutting, you know, I would say, and, and I saw students do what you're describing too. It was you know, kind of like copycat cutting. Even if a kid doesn't have quite the same severe pain, but is to the point that they're searching enough that they cut themselves just because friends are, I I still think there's a deep heart cry there. So um, even kids who are copying some of those risky behaviors, there's a loneliness there, there's a desire to fit in, might not require professional therapy, but probably requires some really good supportive conversation with friends and caring adults.
2: Is there a way to contextualize that you would recommend the one to three, four to six, six Uh, and above?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, Not that I would feel comfortable with at my level of knowledge. Again, this is, you know, I feel like a youth pastor who's not fully trained to answer every question on anxiety. So I'm going to model what I hope youth pastors do when they're asked a question they don't know. And that is to say, I don't know. Great question. Let me talk to somebody and get back to you. Instead of guessing, um, I don't want to guess because I don't want to be wrong. It's too important. So I'd rather, in this case, take a little bit of time, get some well-informed answers, and then return to the conversation. No,
2: thank you for that.
1: Kara, would you be able to tell us, now this would be someone that's that's suffering from that higher scale of anxiety, maybe some warning signs to the student pastors of things to look out for where this is getting to a a level that's kind of out of my professional realm to deal with. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, what experts have told us during the course of our research is look for really any any big changes. And this is what's kind of interesting about mental health overall is it can be either more or less but just a, a dramatic shift for what's normal. So more or less eating, for instance, more or less time alone, more or less sleeping. Um, and, and this is where it's important for parents to really understand some of these risk factors also. Signs that they're struggling with the everyday tasks of life. You know, that 14 that, that, uh, year old who's pretty tearful but now is like even more tearful, um, you might want to talk to him or her and just say, hey, I've noticed this change. How are you doing? And that's how you can raise it. You know, share what you've noticed and ask how they're doing. I would say if if you're not sure the young person is telling you the truth, then I would reach out to the parent. Um, I'll tell you, again, I'll speak as a parent of three teenagers. When youth leaders reach out to me and let me know things they've seen in my kid, oh my gosh, it's 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 so great because it it shows me that they're really tracking with my kid, they're caring about my kid. So you know, whether it's your daughter did a great job today in sharing her testimony, or whether it's something like, boy, your son seems more withdrawn than normal, um, I'm a little concerned. What have you noticed at home? you know, for that youth leader or small group leader to reach out to the parent and, and get the parent's perspective would be an important step.
0: This is, you've said several phrases that uh remind me why I love having conversations with you about youth ministry, because parent of teenagers yeah. have served in a volunteer and vocational capacity yeah. in youth yeah. ministry. And so, you know, just You're not just researching it from an academic standpoint. Like, you've lived it for your life, your life too, uh, in the trenches with it. And so, like, this next question kind of goes to that in the trenches. Like, talk to us about the role of empathy and being able to sit with a teenager in the moment of their struggle while at the same time helping them move forward, pushing them forward.
1: So good. So actually, um, after we did the parent podcast interviews, I listened to all of them one more time. And I just took a lot of notes. I was trying to see like what patterns are there. And I realized that many of the main steps, in fact, really the primary main steps for either leaders or parents spell out A, B, C, D, E, and the E is empathy. So I, I would love to really quickly hit on the rest, and then I'll answer your empathy yeah, question, because this this is a great framework. And again, it's grounded in therapists, and then we made it more memorable. Um, but that first <laughs> ask question, ask on a scale of one to 10, that's the A. Um, I've learned quite a bit in our last year of research on the importance of breathing for young people. And you know, I've been told my whole life when I get stressed to breathe, and I never knew why until this last mm. year. But um, you know, when you slow down your breathing, it's literally your body putting a brake pedal on the adrenaline and the instructions your heart is giving about how to get blood to every extremity in your body. And so at A, ask, B, breathe, C, center on an important truth or a scripture passage. I do just want to say that is really important. And as our own kids, have dealt with various levels of anxiety. We've worked with them to try to find, you know, what scripture passages are most meaningful to them. D is develop a team, which we've certainly touched on quite a bit. And then that E is empathy, but it's a special kind of empathy. It's an empowering empathy. And Lisa Damore is a researcher who studied adolescent girls, but what she says is, is relevant to boys too. She has this great phrase, and I have used this phrase or modification of it, so many times at home and with other kids, and it's this. Um, that stinks, and I think you can handle it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wow, that sounds really hard. Oh my gosh, I'd be so frustrated, overwhelmed, disappointed too, but you know what? I think if you, if you study a little bit more, I think you might be able to do it. Or what can I do to support you as you work through it? So it's this beautiful combination of showing you understand what they're feeling, showing you're mindful of what they're going through, and yet, giving them at least some confidence that they can take a next step, either on their own or with you, kind of, you know, holding their arm and uh, and and helping them move forward.
0: I am going to use that phrase.
1: It's, isn't it a great mind. one, Ben? And again, you can make it your own. You can use different adjectives. You can be, you know, more heartfelt or whatever. But just the fundamental—that stinks. And I think you can handle it. Does that apply so. to toddlers as well? I got two of those. Can I tell them that?
0: that <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect phrase though because yeah. the that stinks part is really important and i think most often it's you know like enneagram three just that a che- through it right
1: yeah time. i mean i'm a three too, ben so we push through we, we've got to get <laughs> yeah. the job done right run so. up the
0: hill what's the problem yeah but that that one little piece of like, Hey, I recognize that this is really hard. Yeah. But you also get the, the let's keep moving piece.
1: Yeah. And I think we all have our different propensity. I'm, I am an Enneagram three, just like you, Ben. And so, yeah, it's the, that stinks part that I, I sometimes skip over, but I think, you know, I have some some more touchy feely friends who they kind of camp out in the, Oh, that's so hard area of life with their kid without helping them to think about how their kid can move forward. So um, yeah, the two together bring I think a really wonderful balance.
0: Yeah. One of the things that uh, in the framework I'll, that we haven't hit just yet is the center part. Yeah. Uh, and as you were going through, you pause and made, and made sure that to make the statement of, Hey, this actually is a really, really important step. Can you give some insight into how to help somebody come up with that scripture or that yeah. phrase?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll I'll speak really personally as a parent with my own kids. Um, you know, with without revealing genders or names of which kids have been part of which conversation, um, you know, with one of our kids, it for them it was what worship song it can really be meaningful to you. And so that child was able to land on a worship song or two. Um, that made a difference, feeling stressed, especially stressed when, sh- when that child was gone away from us. Um, with another one of our kids, I did some research on different scripture passages and came to them with kind of a list of five or 10 that I thought might be helpful. And then they chose the one or two, and we kind of shortened it, you know, the essence of that verse to a phrase. So it's interesting, the, the child that we uh, that I mentioned, the first, our first kid, in terms of who I described, loves worship. And so I knew that would be a better connect. The second child that I described isn't you know, likes worship, but it's not as transformative for that child. And so, went a different path. So that's where, as you're a youth leader, small group leader, you know, think about what connects with this kid that you're concerned about and 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 tease it out with them. Like, oh, what, what song do you think you could remember next time you're at soccer and just really struggling? Or on those days when you don't think you can make it to school, um, is there a verse that you think could help or a phrase? So, so you know, ideally, the kid is um, coming up with that, but sometimes they need some options from us. Like I said, with the second of our kids that I described, I went to them with five or ten different verses. So,
2: yeah, that's great. I like too, how you took such a and as a parent, you understand quickly you can't have the same approach with all your kids. But even as a student pastor, yeah, I think sometimes you fall into what's most comfortable for you as a leader and then you feed everyone in the student ministry that solution that would work for you. But understanding that not everybody can run with that same solution doesn't do the same thing to everybody's heart. I also like, even with the verse of Scripture that you said you boiled it down to the essence of that truth, that I think kind of takes maybe some of the legalism out of it. You know, Memorize this block of Scripture um, for somebody who's in the middle of dealing with anxiety, maybe yeah. is just another thing. Like, what do you mean? Now I got to <laughs> memorize this
1: whole more thing. anxiety. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's right. <laughs> just to say, let's get the point yeah. here. Yeah. Here's yeah. the truth in this moment.
0: Yeah. Kara, yeah. I would love for you. Uh, you've mentioned the podcast and uh, <laughs> of course we've mentioned the, the title faith in an anxious world. Can you take just a couple minutes and tell people how they can connect with this resource? And my assumption is the podcast is of the same name uh, as the resource, but, uh, feel free to talk about how they can connect with, uh, with you on these things.
1: Yeah, you're right, Ben. Um, so probably the easiest portal for a youth leader is to go to fulleryouthinstitute.org slash anxious world. Um, or if you just visit fulleryouthinstitute.org in a couple clicks, you'll be able to find it. But if you remember that slash anxious world, and there's a way to access our curriculum. The curriculum has all sorts of videos of real-life kids talking. You can get samples of those, as well as the parent podcasts, which are for free. And you know, we want to help youth leaders really win with parents. And so, we would love for you as a youth leader to send, uh, you know, a nudge your parents, step-parents, grandparents to listen to those podcasts. They're looking for resources, and so. Uh, we want to help you get them the resources that you need. Also at Full Youth Institute, we have a host of other articles that we've written, like that ABCDE, which quite honestly was kind of a newer edition uh, as we looked over all the research one last time. That's there. And so there's a lot of uh, posts that a youth leader can use for themselves. They're small group leaders as well as parents.
0: Awesome, Kara, it's always really, really good talking with you. Uh, so thank you for taking time out of your sunny california day to hang out with us
1: you bet i'm always a fan to be with you lifeway folks you love jesus and you don't shy away from tough questions and so thanks for asking some really good and tough questions here
0: absolutely well this has been another episode of the lifeway student ministry podcast thank you to cara powell and to julian john paul we'll see you next time